Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, we're all chowing down like that. And I look over to the captain. And it was this vegetable soup. And I looked over and I noticed that mine had like pork or chicken in it or something. And I'd said, how come yours hasn't got pork or chicken? Yeah. How come mine's just got meat in? And he just leant over into my bowl. He said, that's not pork or chicken. That's your tongue. Oh! Oh! <laughs> huh? you, like, you do like my mustache? No, she called you Mikey Mustache. Has the show started? Yes. Hello? Hi. Welcome back to Impulsive, the number one podcast in the world. Yeah, a lot of things are happening. Who? I mean, what's fucking new? It's 2020. The world's gone to shit. I'm not uh, totally convinced that it won't end this year. My mustache is back. Crystalia, some some stuff went down on, on Twitter. I don't even want to talk about it, it that much. It's just like people are tweeting at me mm. um, because remember way back when, when he... Uh, roasted and toasted me on Twitter. You guys were beefing for like a second. It wasn't even just beef. He just fucked me up. He just mm. fucked me up. He's like literally a professional at that though. So not at all surprising. Then he's grand slammed me. He said, uh, he's, I, I made a, a caption, uh, promoting a tweet promoting my vlogs as I do. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, and it's the end of Logan Paul vlogs. It's important that you watch. And this was what, three years ago. And he said, no, it's not. And I put a bunch of crying <laughs> and he, he was, it was funny, but I was like too young to understand what was happening. And I was, I was just a bitter, just a- angry at the world that I was inadequate. And so I, I lashed out. I put a bunch of crying emoji emojis. And I was like, now I know why your comedy career took a dive. And then he responded to <laughs> oh, that, I remember that and said, at least when my career dies, you can film it and put it on YouTube. <gasps> The day might be here. Oh God! <laughs> we wow. might. It, it might be this day because I have people tweeting wow, at me. It's and they're all like, come full circle, bro. Everything. Every. What about George's stand-up thing? No. No. What? Did that happen yet? <laughs> that seems like a weird transition back, like Bill. Oh, just you know. What about know. it? I mean, did this shit happen? Is there proof or what? Is it just? Is it? Is it? You I, know? I don't know. That's why I don't like talking on. I'm just. It, it, it popped off on Twitter last night. People coming at me like, "Yo, this. You know, again, this might be the time to film his career." No, and you're not. You're not. You're you, you're taking the high road. You're probably high anyways right now. Right now, I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I don't. I'm smoking the in the days in the during the oh, days yeah, yeah. In, the, in the daylight. One thing I do know about is that Belle Delphine made a comeback. Wow! <laughs> wow! She's what talking the- about ducks in her music video. She goes, Did "Here's you- a big duck." Do you saw the video? Oh yeah. What is going on with her, dude? Like, like, but uh, there are a lot of people out there saying that her uh, remix of Gooba is better than the original. <laughs> I, don't oh. know, I don't know if that's crazy difficult to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she came back with a music video. Uh, it's like a 6 9 spoof to promote her OnlyFans, right? Oh, is that what it is? Well, how would you describe this girl for people who don't know who she is? She's like a, uh, what is it? Like an e-girl? Is she like an e-girl? No, there's like a genre for this. Oh, oh cosplay? Yes. Cosplay, it. yeah. yeah, yeah. It, she does, she's, I don't think she's an e-girl. No, she's not an e-girl. Cosplay. She, uh, yeah, she's co- a gamer cosplay Yeah, girl. and like, at one point, at one point she was like, 
Is she still massive? Like, do people still give a fuck about what she does? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, they do. She so this girl at one point uh, sold her bathwater. Yeah, I remember. And that. made so much mm. fucking money because, mm. I mean, she's like a pretty girl, and mm. and uh, her look lends itself uh, to a bunch of fucking weirdos okay. who want to drink bathwater from. Are they drinking it? I would presume. Ugh. I would presume, and then I would also imagine you get some sort of. Uh, energy nutritional transfer, health benefit right, right? Totally. like yeah you're 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 getting a little bit of bell like the delphine. salts and stuff right and, uh, but okay. bath salts yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly yeah. that's probably why oh so she was selling bath salts that's illegal bell delphini oh fuck. Well, all right, well look i want i want to play i want to play a little bit of this um just enough to make you want to uh pound the nails into your ears yeah, but this not was enough, a tough watch to, not nothing not, 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 nothing lethal Sign it to confirm your age. <laughs> it got age gated. Makes sense. I don't even. I don't want to sign in to confirm my age. I know I'm 25. Damn! I, I wish they fucking age. I wish they had that sign in to confirm your age uh, situation for Dalia's uh, DMs. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, uh, shit! <laughs> Guys, I feel like the squirtle on the table right now. <laughs> wow. Fucking a, dude. Just that's how I, that's how I like feel. <laughs> you hate to see it. Long night. We got a we got a dope guest today. What do you guys say? We shut the fuck up and bring our guest. Yeah, on? let's do it. All right, yeah. Ross Edgley. This is gonna be crazy. Dude. Wow, heard about this dude? He was on Rogan. Yeah, for Rogan. episode twelve hundred. Because well, he's he's running across the world with logs on his back, swimming across the world, doing biking. What? Well, well, why? What's going on with this guy? That's I got to hear more, question. dude. Ross Edgley, because he does all these crazy things. I I was watching a video and. How do I even do? Ran a marathon pulling a 1.4 ton car. The media dubbed it the world's strongest marathon. He climbed a rope the height of Everest. Where'd they get that rope? Where'd they get that rope? He climbed a rope. He just climbed the rope, the the height of Mount Everest. Ran a thousand miles barefoot in a month, carrying a 50 kilogram backpack. Completed an Olympic distance trial on carrying a hundred pound tree. Ran 31 marathons in 31 days on a treadmill in his kitchen. Trialing different recipes. At what fucking point? Look at this guy. Swam over 100 kilometers across the Caribbean Sea, pulling a 100-pound tree. Swam nonstop for 48 hours at the Commando Training Center. So this this dude, well, why don't we just have him explain? But his, bi- but his biggest one is this latest one, though. Oh swam 2,000 miles the entire di- – he swam around the U- around England, right? Was that what it was? This dude's a psychic. You know what he should do? He should swim – around England with Belle Delphine on his back. Whoa. Whoa. And then they could sell the, the water as like her bath water. Amazing. Repackages. Yeah, anything Jemima's. in their wake. Way you just, strong. You bottle it up. Wow. All right. So I'm, I'm in a zoom call. Let's go. Are we in? I can't believe it. Is that works. We're here. We're here, brother. How are you? <laughs> Mate, I'm good. How's things? How you doing? Amazing. Amazing, brother. Probably not as good as you. <laughs> no i don't know about that how's things over there what's what's the situation at the minute feeling good oh no nope fucked country's gone to shit uh, we're all confused about the coronavirus and america's racist so uh, yeah but, there- but you have a horse but you have horses Got so two, that's good two horses uh that i actually not to not to get crazy sentimental here i dropped them off at my ranch yesterday and it was one of the best moments of my life it was, oh, it, was, it, was oh. it was way beautiful. We, we released oh. them into the pasture. They started running. I looked at my beautiful girlfriend and I was just like, this is it, chief. 
this is it. <laughs> you're doing well, Logan. You're winning. You're Thanks. winning. Thank you, brother. I'm trying. Uh, so I got my, my, my co-host Mike to the left of me, my co-host Matt oh. to the right of me, and uh, Amazing. the infamous, legendary Ross Edgley. We just went over some of your uh, statistics and some of the things you've done. My man, I don't know. how. Are you a human being? <laughs> That's a good start. No, no, no. Oh, you're kind. No, no, no. I'm just. Good. I've got a niche skill set, like the, the swim. I'm just good at floating and eating. Honestly, like that's that's my like superpower. That's all it was. It was just an eating competition with a bit of swimming thrown in. That yeah. was that was it. Yeah, I like honestly. I like how humble you're being. Right, and also, <laughs> you know, I, it's it's fascinating to me how I meet these dudes who like yo. You go on this guy's Instagram. He, he's the he's the yokest dude you'll ever see in your life. You come out here, you're the nicest guy I've ever met in my Sitting life. Sitting in his kitchen, <laughs> drinking a drinking a bit of tea. No, dude, that's a cup of nails. For sure. Yeah, it's a cup of nails. <laughs> so, bro, you, so oh. what, what, what? The last feat that you did, correct me if I'm wrong. It was the, it was the two thousand miles. The two thousand miles. That was swim. right. That was right. Yeah. So the the swim around Great Britain. Okay. And, yeah. And like, so you just go to floating. <laughs> yeah, that was basically it. no. It was. I mean, that was an idea that went like terribly right or wrong depending on how you looked at it but um yeah it was it was like a sportsman's bet basically uh <laughs> that a friend of mine we we, we ended up catching up uh, we had the royal marines here in england and uh i basically i did a 48 hour swim just to see where i was at in terms of training so yeah. i'm like 180 kilometers and i got out and i had like trench foot basically so it's where your hands and your feet and everything they've just got so much moisture in that they're they're going moldy basically Ugh. and I, I was yeah like it was it was a bad Bad place. I'm sitting there and I'm putting talcum powder on and I'm trying to basically like, you know, nurse my wounds. Yep. And then um, one of the Royal Marine officers came over to me and was just like, uh, he said, like, uh, you boy. He goes, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm, I said, I'm training. I, I'm training for the world's longest current neutral swim, which is like a swim somewhere like Bermuda, where it's yep. like current neutral. It just looks me up and down. And he said, um, can I be honest with you, young man? I said, yeah, yeah, please do. And he went... That just sounds a bit shit. <laughs> I was like, what, what do you want me to do about it? And he said, mate, you just, you just need to man up and swim around Great Britain. So I was like, all right, fine. Shook <laughs> <laughs> his hand. Shake and I was like, right, I'll see, you, I'll see you when I get back. And then I got back 157 days later. Wait, sorry. Like, wait, whoa, slow it down. Bro, so so you shook his hand and you just jumped in the fucking water and swam around Great Britain? Is that what you're saying to me right now? <laughs> basically so how how it works is you swim like six hours on six hours off so you work with the tide and then against the tide so it doesn't matter if the tide changes at two o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the afternoon like you just get in and um yeah there was times when i was scraping like a thin layer of ice off my wetsuit before i could <sighs> put it on just had to crack it basically um also as well like you i don't know if you know but you get something called salt tongue so the, the human body is not meant to be in the water for this amount of time. Yeah. So I'm swimming, you know, 12 hours a day, 157 days, uh, swimming, swimming, swimming. Um, I remember after two weeks, the, the salt water takes all the moisture from your tongue. Uh, so uh, it, it basically starts to rot. Uh, I'm sitting in the galley in the kitchen and, and the, the cook suit, and she's made like this amazing vegetable soup. You know, we're all chowing down like that. And I look over to the captain and it was this vegetable soup. And I looked over and I noticed that mine had like pork or chicken in it or something. And I'd said, how come yours hasn't got pork or chicken? Yeah. How come mine's just got meat in? And he just leant over into my bowl. He said, that's not pork or chicken. That's your tongue. Oh, oh! <laughs> why'd you say that? Stop, dude. God dang. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you find yourself in a similar situation, coconut oil, 
Because it, it lubricates <laughs> Bro, if I find myself in a situation where my tongue is now the main ingredient of a soup, I'm not going to be asking what oil to put on. I'm going to go to the hospital, bro. <laughs> wait, so, wait, so is that, would you, because I was going to ask you what the hardest part of this journey was. Would that, would, would your tongue being a, 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 a an accoutrement to a soup be the hardest part or what? <laughs> So, Mike, you're right. Like, yeah, leaving parts of my tongue, like, around Great Britain, that's, that wasn't pleasant. But probably the worst, um, there, there's the, it's called Corriebeckham in Scotland. It's a giant whirlpool, one of the biggest whirlpools in the world. And uh, they were like, look, you know, ships have gone down. People have lost their lives. This is no joke. Like, I've you swim that. and you swim hard. So I was like, all right, cool, no worries. I'm swimming like that. And as I swim, I'm looking at my watch and I'm checking. I've got to swim for six hours through this giant whirlpool. So I'm swimming, I'm swimming. As, as I'm going through like that, I get stung by a jellyfish. They've got these giant jellyfish in Scotland, about five meters long. Wow. <laughs> bad. Like, just like, the, the best way I can describe it to you is like, imagine someone's got a hot poker and they're just pressing it against your face. Because it was, it was at night as well, so I couldn't even <sighs> see. I actually have the picture here. I opened up the, the brief that you guys sent me. And by the way, oh. great brief. <laughs> great brief. Dude, the, the um, <laughs> file titles are hilarious. 15,000 calories a day. Arm of jellyfish to face. Giant jellyfish. Swimming in poo. Swimming in poo. Yeah, shout shout out to the guys over at Shout out to the guys at Gymshark for putting that together because they did a great job on that. Ross, this this is this jellyfish is bigger than me. Oh, you got it there. You can see it now. We're looking at it right now. It's this is huge. Right. So so it was one of those, basically lion's mane. And and like it basically when you're swimming at night, you know, you can get one of those, like, it's, you just get, like, there's no other way to describe it. You just basically motorboat a jellyfish, just smack straight <laughs> to the face. <laughs> I'm swimming, I'm swimming through the Corrie of Ekin, but I can't stop because it's a giant whirlpool. So I'm swimming as hard as I can. And this jellyfish thing, this one in particular, it, it just won't go away. Like I said, it's like someone's pushing a hot poker onto your face. <sighs> I'm swimming, I'm swimming. For another three hours, I stop. And I'm, I'm dribbling because my face is now paralyzed. And I turned to Matt, the captain, and I said, Matt, I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I, just, I need to stop. I said, I've been stung by a jellyfish. And I said, the pain, it won't go away. Oh, no. He looked, he looked down at me from the boat and he just said, yes, I know. Because it's still wrapped around your face. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wearing a jellyfish through the Corriebeckan, through yeah. this whirlpool. Is that- and then I thought, <laughs> how, is that, how is that something you miss? I, because I couldn't stop, Logan. If I stopped, I would have been pulled down into the whirlpool. So I just, I couldn't, couldn't stop. So I'm it's swimming. A, it's a tricky situation. I turn around. I, I mean, I won't repeat what I said. I, I pulled away the tentacle, threw it away. And then my face had been stung so bad, it changed shape. So I looked like, you know, the elephant man. And, and then my goggles wouldn't fit back on my face. So I had to punch them Wait, into actually, my eye socket. I have the video here. Yeah. In- hold on, hold on. That is not Absolutely teabagged me. It teabagged me. I'm getting the hang of this whole great great swim mark. And then just when I think I've got this whole thing figured out, jellyfish. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I love how you just got fucked in the face by a jellyfish and you're making jokes about it. What what is this what is this place in Scotland? Because there's a you're telling me there's a whirlpool? There's giant jellyfish, and I believe, is this the same area that the Loch Ness Monster supposedly resides oh, yeah. in as well? Yeah, so similar. So, so that's a lot, so that's inland. Okay. So yeah, that all, all exists up there. You've got basking sharks. What the like f- we, we, uh, we had orcas as well. I remember we got a phone call from a marine biologist, and they said, oh, just checking, is, is that guy still swimming around Great Britain? And they were like, oh, yeah. 
And they, and they went, okay, so we've got good and bad news. And they were like, we've just seen a pod of orcas. So they were like saying, the good news is there's never been a reported case of an orca uh, fatality in, in, in the wild. Like they're so intelligent. They know that you're not a seal. So you, they know you're not on the menu. But they were like, but with that said, if they're going to eat anyone, it's probably Ross because he's spending like 157 days in the sea. Yeah, just statistically. Exactly. And then they were like, just try to look less like a seal. And I was like bulked up (laughs) at that point. I was like, how do you look less like a seal? So I'm. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Swimming. Avoiding jellyfish. And now orcas thinking like this is a terrible way to spend the summer. I, uh... But, um, I, I commend you because I, I, I'm one of the people that can't swim in deep water because of, because of stuff like that. Like orcas. Ah, no, I, no, I'm not yeah. going to fuck with those. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, and this is what I've been so keen to chat to you guys about, like since coming back on land and everyone said like, you know, why did you do it? I think what's been so good, you know, Mike, you mentioned Gymshark. One thing that's so good, we've been speaking to like the sports psychiatrist there, almost trying to figure out like what was going on inside my own head. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And one thing that if you look back through history as humans, we've always been going on these pilgrimages. These, these like, you know, I, I call it an okugaki. I lived with some uh, Japanese monks in um, uh, we basically Yamabushi uh, monks. You go on a pilgrimage out there. You do a marathon a day in the mountains and you meditate under ice cold waterfalls. And the reason you do this is it's kind of like Einstein. Adversity introduces you to you. You know, you realize this honest version of yourself. You remove your ego yep. because you're just absolutely battered yep. physically and mentally. And I think the reason I want to chat to you guys and, and Logan specifically with the, with the boxing, I think for you at the time, watching that whole journey, a lot of people are like, why is he doing it? He's got all this money. He doesn't yeah. have to do it. You know, Mike, similarly as well, when you just had like a really cool job, successful at marketing, why uproot and move? Yeah. There's this idea of going on a pilgrimage, an okugaki that, you know, even, even looking at Maasai warriors going out and hunting a lion, you know, the Aborigines going walk about, it's a rite of passage. Right. I suppose I wanted to ask, did, did you feel something similar? Because a lot of people are like, why swim around Great Britain? And I'm like, why not? We've been doing it through history. Have you experienced something like in a weird way? Did you get that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But the, the things that I've done, um, I feel like are dwarfed by the, the feats that, that you've accomplished because you're really pushing yourself from what it seems anyways, to, to the brink, it, like right up to the edge of, of what you're capable of. And I'm not even sure if that's true, but for me, I love chaos. I love throwing myself in environments that are going to make me uncomfortable, stuff I'm not good at. And then I love the idea of growth. If, if, mm. you, can, if you can always leave room to be better 
and, imp- and gain a skill, improve in some capacity, I think your life is going to be uh, fulfilling for the entire time. And that's what happened yeah. with boxing. It was just a new challenge to to overcome, and it, it changed my life. Like I found out and discovered so much about myself as a human. Like what you said is is you you beat the shit out of yourself. You put yourself mentally and physically through these insane challenges and you just strip off the layers. So the first one to go is ego for me. Every time I do uh physical, like I, we did a, at the beginning of the year, what was it? Like a 72 hour Marine uh, oh, uh, yeah. army Tra- challenge. Training, yeah. And uh, the first one to go is the ego. Cause me, you know, I got a big fucking mouth. I'm always like, I can do anything. I'm the fucking most baddest. <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> and uh, so then ego. And then it's like uh, humility. And you discover who you really are in the face of adversity. Yeah. It's exactly that. But even looking at like, and this gets a bit deep, but when you start looking at like Aristotle and he starts talking about eudaimonia, you know, this idea, because they believed, the ancient Greeks were like, happiness is a bad word because it kind of just means that you should be happy with no suffering, no labor. You shouldn't mm. have to struggle to get there. Whereas with eudaimonia, Aristotle used this term because he's like, no, you know, you need to earn it. There should be struggle. There should be like some form of suffering to get there. You it's have- this idea that right now, if, you know, you were handed a million pounds, you'd probably be happy. You'd be like, wicked, I've got yeah. a million pounds. But it's not eudaimonia. And it's this whole idea, Aristotle said that, you know, happiness without fulfillment is failure. And mm. it's one thing that I've always found that, you know, with everything that I've done, when I've done, uh, you know, swam for 157 days around Great Britain, um, I did a, a triathlon um, with a 100-pound tree on my back, yeah. uh, raising loads <laughs> for charity. Oh, we know, we know. <laughs> Yeah, there's this, but that was it. Was I was in pursuit of eudaimonia, and I think it's so interesting that you just said exactly what you did, where you were suffering. I mean, I'm a massive fan of the the podcast, and I loved uh, Ryan Garcia, other gym shark yeah, athlete, obviously, yep, yep. but um, also Chuck Liddell. And drawing a par- a comparison between what those two said, when you said to Chuck, "Why did you do it? Was it the money? Was it fame? You were huge at the time." And he just said, "I just love fighting. Yep. It was it was the process. It was eudaimonia. It was." intrinsic motivation where the process is its own reward. Absolutely. And Ryan said something similar. The most successful people we've talked to on the show iterate that same idea. And, and, and I, I preach this all the time. Like happiness is not a destination. It is a journey. It is an ever changing quest. And you, and I, I don't love the idea of trying to find happiness. Um, if you can, if you can do these little accomplishments and, and, and complete tasks in your life, uh, both, through struggle and failure specifically, you're going to come out that much more well-rounded of a person. That is exactly it. And that, that's one thing as well. I think that whole idea of, you know, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation that, you know, on the swim, I remember coming back down the other side of Scotland, just thinking like, if I finish this and no one's there, there's like the media don't care. There's, there's, you know, there's no records. No one, no one cares. It's just like my mum, my dad, my girlfriend, we have a pizza. Yep. Like, will that be okay? <laughs> and you know, for, for me, I was just like, yeah, like I just want to be a weird old man who goes anywhere on the coast in Great Britain now and just stands there in my trunks going, I swam around there. Like, That's, so the whole country. <laughs> That's so sick. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, so, and, and I think sometimes identifying that before you go on the journey is so important because when you started the boxing, you know, you were like, am I doing this for the right reasons? And there's no right or wrong reason. Yep. But I think if you say I'm doing it for money, I'm doing it for gold medals. I know a lot of my friends who were Olympians who were just like, I'm just doing it for a gold medal. I, I don't care. I yeah. don't even like the sport. I'm doing yeah. it for a gold medal. Damn. I'm like, cool. As long as you know that, <laughs> but don't, 
but and I love what you said, remove the ego. Don't lie to yourself because when you're there getting punched in the face, when you're swimming around and your tongue's falling off and you've got jellyfish like mm. bagging you and wet willy and you in the ear. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you're For doing sure. an intrinsic, Ross, extrinsic. Ross, For you sure. seem like a very philosophical man. What are you thinking about when you're on these challenges? Do you know, do you know what? Like, that's what's strange in that I think every single tide and every single day you can use something different. It's almost like, you know, changing the channel on your head, Mm -hmm. you know, that you've got to find a new, uh, something that's quite potent, you know, Mm -hmm. some thought that's going to take you away and you can just think about it. Again, you guys know, you know, sparring, running, anything where you're just in that hurt locker. But I think what was interesting for me is sometimes if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, so Maslow's hierarchy, this idea of a pyramid and at the base of that pyramid, you've got your physiological needs. So food, water, warmth, sleep, you know, the, you're basically like a caveman yep. there at the base. As you move up, you've got your social needs. So you've got kind of like friends, family, connections. As you move up even further, you've got prestige, a feeling of accomplishment, mm-hmm. you know, job security. And then as you move up at the very top, you've got self-actualization, which is this idea of being like the best version of you. And for me, it was weird because I would like basically go up and down this all the time yep. in that sometimes, you know, you could say to me, oh, Ross, self-actualization, you know, this is amazing, you know, intrinsic motivation. And I'll be like, yes, that's, that's amazing. But other times I'm sitting there, my tongue's falling off. And I'm like, <laughs> like, well, I literally don't care yeah. about like yeah. any of those higher purposes. I'm here. I'm at the base of the pyramid. I'm thinking I want to sleep. I want food. And I want to still have a tongue when this finishes. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm there. Did you live... So it- did you live in that spot the whole time? Cause I've never obviously <clears throat> done anything at the, at the same level as you, but as a, as an endurance athlete in cycling, I've always found that that time that you spend in, uh, uh, in that exercise can actually be really fluid for your mind. And you actually have great, uh, there's been so many times where I've been on the bike at mile 60, mile 70, mile 80, where I'm like, I have to pull over and write this down right now. Did you ever get those blasts of, uh, uh, um, ideation or concept and you're like yo i need to tell somebody this right now 100 percent, and i think we've lost that a little bit like plato talks about it you know plato although he influenced <laughs> western philosophy as yeah. we know it today plato his name it, that was his nickname it meant broad shoulders he was a great wrestler and i think we've lost that that like i love what you just said there because it's this idea of being a, a scholar athlete um, and i forget who said this now and i'm going to kind of butcher this this quote it wasn't <laughs> plato but they said um the, the problem with society is that too often, if you have your fighting done by soldiers and your thinking done by uh, politicians, you have your fighting done by idiots and your thinking done by cowards. Mm. You know, it was this idea, you yeah, need to yeah, use yeah. the two. Right. You need to be a scholar athlete. You know, and that was one thing that I think I found, that I did some of my best writing around Great Britain. Because yeah. you, you, I was left alone with my own thoughts for 12 hours a day. That's powerful. It's so so powerful. Yeah. I think people highly underestimate the, uh, the power of their own minds. Like maybe, maybe people are fearful of, uh, how, how strong their mental capacity truly is. Like what's that one quote? Uh, our, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. It's that we're powerful beyond measure. Um, and I've been trying to find more time to, be alone and, and sit and rest with my thoughts. Cause agree. Like there's, there's so much that goes on in your own brain and you can pull so much just out of you. And once you do yeah. that and you're on like the fourth rung of the hierarchy of needs and self-actualization, I think yeah. that's, I think that's a crucial part of discovering out who you are and who the best version of yourself is. 
100%. And it, and it goes to some weird places. I mean, also to come back to that question, what I thought about sometimes when swimming, I think what would get weird is I actually, not, not sound morbid, but I started to research um, prisoners of war and how they were coping. And there was this one mechanism uh, that was called the Stockdale Paradox. Uh, Admiral Stockdale basically was a prisoner of war for seven years in Vietnam, tortured, horrific conditions, um, but never gave up any intel or anything. And afterwards, when they said, like, how, how did you survive? Like, everyone else was crumbling around you. but You remained so stoic and strong. How did you do it? And he just said, you know what? He could see the people coming in who would crumble. He could literally, he would point at them and go, he, he's not going to make it. And they said, why? And he said, because it's this kind of dual thought process. He said, you cannot lose sight of hope. Like, you will be out. This will be over. It will finish. But equally, at the same time, you have to face up to your current reality. And it's this dual approach that, you know, everybody listening can experience it. If you're running, you've got to think, okay, this will be over. Your legs will stop hurting at some point. The same when I was swimming, I was like Margate, which is where my finish was. Yep. It will finish and I will eventually swim around Great Britain. There's hope. But equally, my current reality is, you know, so, I've got a jellyfish on my face. <laughs> you know, and I've got, I've got to face up to yeah, that. Yeah. And, it's, and too often, and this is what Stockdale said, he said you had these optimists who just came in. They were like, we'll be out by Christmas. Christmas would come, Christmas would go, they'd be crushed. We'll be out by Easter. You know, it's going to be over. The war's going to be over. Gone. And they'd slowly break down where Stockdale was just like, hey, look, as long as this takes, is, I'm here. It will be over, but I'm also in my current reality. Uh. And so that's one thing as well that I, I mean, my girlfriend's amazing. I've been with her seven years and she basically saw her boyfriend. She would come on every sort of few weeks and just see me getting hairier, like fatter. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, you know, I obviously I, I couldn't stop as well when I was swimming. So I was just going to the toilet in my wetsuit. So I was just, you know, I smelled, I smelled, well, piss. <laughs> I just pissed myself. Bro, you I, know, have a, just, I have a picture of you <laughs> after your one year at sea. Oh my God. Damn. <laughs> a weathered man. You, you look like a uh, salt field. <laughs> I look like a chubby Santa Claus, like at sea. <laughs> Like a salty soda. But you see what I mean now? So my girlfriend saw me now. And then, you know, that was what I finished with. She's like, who is so, this guy? Who is this guy? Ross? Is that you? Odysseus. I, this is exactly it. Smelling of urine as well. That, that was how I rocked out of the sea. <laughs> so you think about these things of like, you know, you have these epiphanies and these romantic ideals. But no, that was, that was my current reality. And I love how we've talked about this idea of like, sometimes mm. it's not a romantic ideal swimming around. But no, like, it's suffering. It's eudaimonia. That, that's what eudaimonia looks like, as, yeah. as scary as it is to look at. <laughs> my two, uh, and again, not to, not to compare, but uh, my two things that I go to when I'm trying to escape, maybe escape isn't the right word, but uh, forego the reality of whatever shitstorm I'm going through is I'll, I'll really try to separate my mind from my body. Whether it's, uh, you know, a 10 minute ice bath, whether it's the four hours of boxing training, the 10 mile jogs, um, I try to visualize why I'm doing it. Did you ever do that? Like when I'm, when I'm running on the treadmill, when I'm running on a track and it's pitch black, the lights are off and it's me and Mac and mm -hmm. the only ones are on the track on like a Friday night. I go, why am I doing this? And I, I kept picturing, um, my hand getting raised in the boxing match, mm -hmm. my hand getting raised and, and my opponent crumpling to the floor and all my dreams coming true. And none of, none of them did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I argue with that. I think they did though. I think you got from, 
I, I think you got from the whole boxing thing that what you wanted. I think with retrospect, you've looked at it now. It's been great to see your journey, but I think you got everything you wanted, for regardless sure. of the outcome. For sure, for and sure. That's, and that's what I think is important. And people sometimes, I think that was one thing on the swim when people were going, when will you finish? Will it be 100 days? Will you do? And I was like, it's, it's, you have to get philosophical about it. You're like, I'll finish when Mother Nature lets me finish. Uh, you know, uh. I'll, and I think it was the same with you, that success probably looked very different now to what you thought it would. Yeah. You oh, got yeah. what you wanted. Oh yeah. Well, because yo, you and, you train for this thing and you come up short, technically. Is life over? Or did you is is that is that a win? And it turned mm. out just like time and time again, your failures are gonna going to be the biggest wins in your life in retrospect. Yeah. Like we, you know, I'm sure you learned much more from the times you didn't make it around Great Britain. <laughs> oh, 100%. Oh, there's been some... Oh, you're right. Look, I'm glad you asked it because there's been some awful ones. I remember I tried to swim uh, from Martinique to St. Lucia, so between two Caribbean islands mm. with a tree attached to my trunk. <laughs> we were raising money for charity. How do you I come up off, with this so- stuff, man? <laughs> <laughs> I, so Ross, I, Ross, I, I got to ask you too because I asked this before the show. How... How do you choose which tree? What Johnny tree? Because like, is it like, Christ- <laughs> is it like Christmas tree hunting where you're like, Dad, I want that? Like... How do you say this is the tree I want to swim 80,000 miles with? No, it's good. So there's different, obviously different trees. And then like, so you're looking at buoyancy, but also it's kind of drag. So you want it to be nice. But sometimes if you get it to be like too much like a missile, there was times when I was swimming and I would basically like cruise over a wave and dip under it. But if I did that, I'd know that there's now a hundred pound tree basically like coming for me and sometimes it, would over- <laughs> sometimes it would overtake me which is the best case scenario but other times i mean it caught me between the legs it took off my toenails oh, at one point oh, it just a, went bang a big tree so there's like a science to it <laughs> yeah no there is no there is genuinely if you're if, honestly if you if you guys are ever in england you want to come and do a triathlon i will find you all a tree. is that is there a term a triathlon? A tri- did you coin that triathlon oh, i mean that, yeah that was that was the first triathlon it was the world's what first the triathlon <laughs> you got your own terms ross, now ross ross how do you come up with your your next challenge like what's the, what's the thought process how do you decide <laughs> do you know I, again i'm actually glad you asked just because i think there's always been an element of doing it for charity and i've always loved that mm-hmm. um, i think with the gb swim like so swimming around great britain it was it was slightly different in that i grew up with my granddad and my dad like telling me stories of captain webb um, so for those who don't know, um, 1875, and they said you cannot swim across the English Channel. They were like, it just can't be done. The water's too cold, tides are too strong, can't be done. Uh, but Captain Webb, who was a Navy officer you know, at the time, was just like, no, 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 like, hold my beer. And he just rocks on down to, to Dover <laughs> in England, looks across to France. And this is the bit that I love. On a diet of beef broth and brandy in a woolen yeah. wetsuit, he just smashed breaststroke all the way across. Because at the time, front crawl was ungentlemanly-like. So he just did that, <laughs> smack, just nailing like brandy and beef broth. Wow. Did it in something like 26 hours, I believe. The current record's like six or five. So that's, you know, it took him 26 hours, just smash like everyone going, it can't be done, it can't be done. But he just crushed it all the way across. Don't drink so, and swim um, is what they say. <laughs> what? That's why it took so long. <laughs> he's flo- bro, just like he's definitely floating on his back, fucking pounding brain. He's like, this ain't so bad. <laughs> just floating along. <laughs> So Wrong. there was that idea that it was like it was it was my Captain Webb moment, you know. It was like it was like long after I'm gone, I just like that my grandchildren, great grandchildren, be like, "Look, did you know what my nutty great granddad did?" <laughs> <laughs> but but now it's changed, and I think now, like I realize, 
that I want to do something for, for a higher purpose. I think, you know, what you guys are doing, I'm not just saying it, with everything that you, that's going on in America right now, with what you're doing with your platforms, amazing. And I love that you're doing something for a higher purpose. And I think I'm almost searching for that in some ways, that Maslow's hierarchy, I'm at the top. So we have some weird meetings at, at Gymshark now where I'm there going, you know, guys, like, you know, get me a cause. I'll put my goggles on and I'll just go and like motorboat, jellyfish again if it's <laughs> so right now we're throwing around some ideas um but it's changed basically is what i'm saying because I, there was like i said before i make no bones about it it was just like royal marine officers going swimming around bermuda shit swim around great britain yeah. and i was like fine you know so it's changed a little bit I, yeah I, I think we'd all love to uh get involved with whatever you do next uh th- i mean this this stuff is fascinating i'm, I'm just like reading some of the stuff you did and <laughs> Ran a marathon pulling a 1.4 ton car. We talked about the you climbed, you climbed the, the rope the height of Mount Everest. Like, oh, yeah. At what point? A, at what, oh, at what point? At why? 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 <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually, I mean, the 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 uh, the car marathon. That was that was weird. That came around because um, I we were basically sitting around with loads of my friends. My friend who's, who's fine now, but he was diagnosed with cancer at the time. And for those who don't know, in England. If you were diagnosed uh, with cancer as a teenager, you were basically tr- treated in the children's ward or the elderly ward. So you were kind of robbed of your teenage years, uh-huh. whereas the Teenage Cancer Trust is amazing and they build these specialist wards. Um, they did that for my friend and I just wanted to do something to give back. So I was like, look, like, why don't we, you know, I'll run a marathon. And then everyone's like, ah, it's been done. And then people were like, run two marathons. Oh, it's been done. And then someone was like, run 31 in 31 days. Put a car on Oh, that was, back. yeah. he's like oh yeah i did that too it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> that was, but the rope, the rope climb. I mean, that was for the teenage cancer. That was horrendous. I talk about that a little bit. Um, God, but it was, it was actually. I um. Oh, this is a horrible story. But my hands, because nineteen hours of climbing a rope, my hands were like that. They were like claws, and I just lost all the skin on my hands like that. So I was. But I really needed to go to the toilet. So I ended up going to this porta loo type thing. Those portable like loos. And I was, I was in there. But I couldn't actually fold the toilet paper once I'd been oh, to, no. to, essentially, to essentially wipe my own bum. So I'm sitting in there and I, and I can't even pull my trousers up. <laughs> and then, God bless him, this old guy in the, the, the toilet next to me just said, are you all right in there, young man? You know, can I give you a hand? And I said, like, mate, I'm so sorry, dude. No, like, no, no. <laughs> but I said, I, I can't wipe my own bum. <laughs> I said, I've been, I've, been, I've been climbing this rope for charity. And he just was like, no problem. And then with wow. that, it went deadly silent. It went deadly silent. No, 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 no. It's not as bad as you think. <gasps> and then he ended up folding the, the toilet paper and posting it under the thing. Oh, so nice. I could actually... No, no, no. I felt I had to, like... He didn't wipe my bum. <laughs> 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 I was like, wait, wait. <laughs> so, so there's... But again, you know, that, that sense afterwards of just with all of those stories. One, it's nice to sit around and obviously, you know, chat to you guys about it. But two to do it for a higher purpose that we know that there's going to be times when we're old 
we're all sitting in rocking chairs and our bodies will have like, they won't be capable of this stuff. Yeah. That's me right now, man. That's me right now, Ross. (laughs) Yeah, we're right about the same age. Actually, he's a little bit younger. I looked it up on the way. Ross is one year younger. One year younger. Look at the difference Uh, between you and him, (laughs) Hey, we both got big smiles on our face, right? That's all that matters. Hey, Ross, selfishly, I'm I'm curious. There's been one marathon that was not listed on this, uh, on this Gymshark PDF and one that doesn't get talked about very much when it comes to marathons, but you wrote a book, The Art of Resilience, which is a marathon in its own right. And I, I, I guess I guess selfishly as, a, as an author myself, I'm, I'm curious as to what that marathon was like for you and how it compared. Oh, bless you. You got it. Oh, guys. Oh, yeah, we got yeah, it. it. We got it. Do you know what I think was so good? And Mike, like you'll relate to this, but this whole idea of doing something and then retrospectively, you're trying to reverse engineer and deconstruct it. So exactly with everything that you've been through in your life and now your book, you're trying to make sense of it retrospectively. And that was kind of the same that when people were saying, like, how did you continue? You know, I was like, I don't know. At the time, I was just doing it. But now what's so nice in the book is just kind of just to say there was nothing special about me. Like these these mechanisms and strategies that we're talking about now are available to all of us. Yes. And even, even the greatest adventurers, like, and it sounds weird, but like food became such a big factor. This this idea of food being such a motivator that, you know, you'd be thinking, oh, we've got pizza, we've got ice cream on the boat. Um, there was a story about Shackleton, um, one of the greatest explorers to ever exist. And um, him and his men, when their, when their uh, uh, endurance, their boat went down, um, there was a story about how to boost morale. Uh, he kept uh, a Christmas pudding in his sock um, and then, you know, at the time when everyone was like really hanging and they were like, look, we're really in trouble. He just whipped out this Christmas pudding and was like, wee, there we go, boys. You know, just lifted morale. <laughs> so there's, there's, you know, there was these strategies that looking back and the Stockdale paradox. Um, but equally, sometimes, and I call it like the science of a smile, like it, it's only just now that we're understanding how your cognitive health and well-being will impact on performance and also your immune yes. system, you know, mm. immune biological markers. Yeah. And Again, looking back at performance, there was a study done. Um, I think it was Frontiers of Neuroscience, Journal of, uh, uh, Journal of Frontiers of Neuroscience, where they talked about, they had cyclists, and again, you'll get this with your background, but cycling to complete exhaustion. And as they did this, they showed them small subliminal cues. So subliminal meaning it barely registered on a conscious level. And they showed them either pictures of people smiling or frowning. And what they did after this, they found emphatically that those people who were shown these like subliminal working on a completely subconscious level, pictures of people smiling were actually going further and had a a greater resistance to fatigue than those who were frowning. And it's just something now that looking at um, cheerfulness in the face of adversity, that's a motto with the British Royal Marines, but also as well, even looking at like the Navy SEALs, when they start talking about, you know, the 40% rule, you know, that when you're absolutely done and you think you can't go on, actually you're only at 40%. So there's all these strategies that we talk about in the book that at any given time, use it and if it doesn't work if the 40 percent rule doesn't work for you science of a smile if that doesn't work there's something else that doesn't work yeah and so it was probably a cathartic process for you to to go back through the events slowly and methodically and scientifically because similarly to what you said when i had the opportunity to write my book and everybody had questions how did you do it how did you get out of this cycle of this and cycle of that i would always say the same thing i don't know i kind of just did it but then when it came time to sit back down and write the story, it gave me hours and hours and hundreds of hours to sit and think what tactics 
did I actually use to get it done? And, and, and to touch on the science of the smile, we talk about that on this show a lot. We've, we've been talking about that forever. If you, if you simply look at the way others treat you in a very micro moment based on the, on the uh, expression on your face, a smile will 10 times out of 10 get you a better or more beneficial reaction than a, than a frown or a straight face. 100%. Yeah, even, even recently with Kipchoge, with the sub-two-hour marathon, I, mean, I don't know if you mm. saw that, but they said, you know, it's really weird that when most athletes really start struggling, he had this almost like, you know, smile on his face. Oh, yeah. And again, actually, I, I love Kipchoge because when you speak to him before the sub-two-hour marathon, everyone was going, are you going to do it? Like, are you going to do it? Are you going to break the record? What will it mean to make history? You know, think of the money that you're going to make, sponsorship. And I love that he turned around and he just went, my job is to run a beautiful race. And if that's under two hours, then great. Mm. But if not, then that's fine as well. So he was always going to win because it, his goal was just intrinsic. It was to run a beautiful race. Yeah. So afterwards, when everyone was like, oh, he'd just be like, doesn't matter. But that, that same concept. And the, the other one that I talk about in the book, actually, is um, Emil Zatopek. So not enough people know about him, in my opinion. The greatest endurance runner to ever exist. Three gold medals, Helsinki Olympics. Um, but one thing about Emil Zatopek, he came from a military background. And um, this one blows my mind as well. Like you guys will understand this with your athletic background. He used to run 100, 400 meter sprints as intervals. The next oh, time you go to an athletics oh track, God. just look and think, yeah, that 100 with like 30 seconds rest in between. Wait, I'm sorry. I think, so I, his, I, think I heard this wrong. What did you say? A hun- 100, 400 meter sprints. Shut the... F- he w- a marathon, essentially. Sprinted a marathon for intervals. You know, so it's this, like, people at the time as, as well said, like, we didn't know the human body could actually go like that. They were like, that's just overtraining. They didn't know you could work that hard. But Emil Zatopek as well, you've got to think, military background, and this is what I love as well, intrinsically motivated that people don't understand his wife was an amazing javelin thrower. And date night for them, she would basically go out and just be pinging this javelin. And he'd just <laughs> run and go and get it like a dog chasing a stick and be like, there you go, babe. And she'd just be like, <laughs> pinging it like this. <laughs> So he just, he did it for the love. But my my final story Mm. with Zatopek, sorry, just to wind up, was um, when he won three gold medals at the Helsinki Olympics, um, he'd never run a marathon before in his life, not a full marathon. And he'd won uh, the uh, 5,000, 10,000, I believe. And then he turned to his coach and he said, um, he goes, I I think I run marathon tomorrow. And his coach (laughs) was just like, no, but you've never run a marathon before. And he goes, no. He goes, it's okay. It's okay. And there's this documentary. and I need, I'll have to send it to you guys. It's amazing. I mean, Emil has since you know, died. And there's a British guy who narrates, who was racing against him. The British guy was widely tipped to win. And Emil Zatopek turned to his coach and he goes, no, no, no. He goes, it's fine. I, I'm not doing anything tomorrow anyway. He goes, what I do? <laughs> he, goes, <laughs> he goes, what I do? He goes, who, who, is, who is the best? And then his coach was like, oh, for God's sake, Emil. Okay, he's pretty good, the British guy. Everyone thinks he's going to win. And Emil Zatopek, he goes, okay. He goes, brilliant, brilliant. He goes, what I do is I run with him. I run with him. He said pace. And then at the end, I go, boop. And I run around and I win. And, he goes, it's okay. like that. and, and they were like, but that makes no sense. He goes, it's okay. It's okay. So he starts running. And then he cuts to the documentary of the British guy. And he's sitting there and he goes, uh, I was running. Uh, I was running and uh, everything was going well. Up until this point where I saw a, a shadow on my shoulder. I turned. <laughs> And uh, I, I looked and it was Emil. I, I, I said to him, I said, what are you doing? And uh, Emil Zatopek, he turns to me, he goes, I am, um, excuse me. He goes, I don't want to uh, interrupt. Um, 
I've never run marathon before, so I don't know. Is this pace good or bad? And the British, <laughs> the, the British guy goes, I, I, you know, he's old now, and he goes, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I thought to myself at the time, you little fuck, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to stitch you up here. And he says, he texts him, and he goes, oh no, because this is this is far too uh, far too slow. The 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 pack's going to catch us up. We're in real trouble, Emil. <laughs> and then with that, Emil Zatapek just goes, okay, no problem. I will finish and see you at the finish line. And he just left. Oh, left wow. him. Wow. My, my, the wow. point that I love about that story is if you turn up on the start line with a dude like that, who just loves it, he just loves it. He's not getting up on a Sunday dragging his heels. He just wants to go run. Yeah. You know, and that, for me, is a Ryan Garcia. It's a Chuck Liddell. Mm, yeah. It's somebody who is going... I just, I just love it. I just, you know, money. I just, I just love it. I yep. love the process. Yeah, and yep. that's why I love that story. That is, that's the sweet spot. It's what you just described. It's that perfect balance between finding that thing that you love and the thing that's gonna, that's gonna make money or, or uh, help you achieve your goals, or whatever it is. That's, I, I, I try to tell people all the time, if you can monetize the thing that you're good at. Or at least that you you see yourself being able to be become good at if you have potential in it. That's gonna be that's gonna be the golden the golden area. But my question yeah. to you is this: because I heard you say earlier, uh, it was something along the lines of you're just like everyone else. You really think that? Because 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 I may push back a little bit and say <laughs> <laughs> there might be some some uh, biological. Uh, advantages that you may may or may not have. I'm not making assumptions about your biology, <laughs> biological makeup. <laughs> no, I like genuinely. I I think that um, they say that training is the realization of your genetic potential. Mm. So I definitely think that you have you know a, ge- a genetic predisposition to be good at something. Right. You know, so with me, you know, I've always been quite good at swimming, but there was things like you know I was putting away 15,000 calories on the GB oh swim. God, so dude. oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. So wait, like, wait, 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 I'm what, jealous. What, what were you eating? Uh, real quick. It, it, not all of it was healthy, right? There's a lot of junk food, like just shit, right? Is exactly it. I mean, when we got to Scotland, that was where in Dunbar, a town there, they do a battered Mars bars, a battered chocolate, deep fried. <laughs> but, yeah. That. Yeah. So I, I was swimming past there and the people of Scotland are amazing. They heard that I needed 15,000 calories. So I'm swimming. I thought I was like tripping, like sleep deprived or something. I saw this Scottish guy on a jet ski with a bin bag. Oh full my of God. Mars bars. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, mate, dude, thanks. I smashed six of them. So yeah, no, it was, it was, but also as well, it was like what I could tolerate with my tongue. So uh, the real record was, was 649 bananas. That was my total of bananas for the whole. So, that it was is soft. so much it was potassium. Right. But at that, at that point, it doesn't even really matter what you eat. Like you could have ate 100 mar- battered Mars bars, 52 cheeseburgers, a bunch of fish and chips if, if, if that's what you want. It didn't matter. You were still going to walk out with, with abs of fucking steel, dude. <laughs> well, that was what was weird, though. I, I mean, I genuinely didn't. Like by the end, because I needed to put on sea bulk as well. You know, because it was getting colder, it was yeah, getting winter. Yeah. I got, I got caught in an Arctic storm coming from Iceland. You know, it, why it not? Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so <laughs> Did I was you find just, any mermaids just... on that journey? <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple. There were a couple. No, no, no mermaids. But but quickly on that, there was a a, a minke whale. Um, and actually, I just want to like say for all of the bad stories about tongues falling off and everything, there was this one story, Bristol Channel. I basically was swimming nonstop for 72 hours to get across the Bristol Channel. And as I was going across, this minky whale uh, basically came over to me and started blowing bubbles in my face. Uh, Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like swimming under me, breaching next to me. 
And I turned to Matt, the captain, again. I was like, Matt, I was like, what is going on? I said, do I need to, do I need to get out? Am I safe? And Matt was like, no, no, it's a minky well. You're not on the menu. It's fine. It's fine. I was like, all right, cool. So I carried on swimming. Basically, he turned to me and he said, like, I think what's happening is I think that she's a female and I think that she thinks you're an injured seal. So she was like a mum. She basically oh. then guided me all the way to Wales, which is where the, the water got a little bit shallower like that. So when the minky well knew that I was getting a bit shallower and I was heading to land, it breached one more time after keeping me like company for miles, slapped its tail as if to say like, you're safe now. And then, and then I've never seen her since. So, wow. That yeah. Is so, and I think, that is so cool. I think it's probably cause you were smiling so much, man. <laughs> you, you got <laughs> escorted by a whale, the whales. Like what, 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 is, what is the chance of that? dude? <laughs> Incredible. But yeah. And I think that's the nice thing that I really take a kick out of and stuff. So genuinely, if you guys are ever in England, I'd love to take you ice swimming. You know, we can go and like hit up some, I'll take you to the Corrie of Ekin, like Whirlpool. You'll love it. I would like, love, only to, a few I would love to do that. I'm, at, I'm a pretty I'm strong, swim. I'm pretty strong swimmer. I can swim pretty well. Really? You know not, not like, not like him, dude, or even, or even like anybody, but like strong enough to stay you're, afloat. You probably swim better than me, honestly. Really? I, Ross, I, I well, got the big feet. Oh, paddles. Paddle feet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah but, but for instance, if we went up to the Penland Firth, for instance, Penland Firth up there, you, to, to put this into perspective, even if you can't swim, as like treading water right now, you can do 12 knots. So that's, you know, 10 miles per hour. To give you an what? idea, cruising speed of a dolphin is nine miles per hour. So the currents over the top of Scotland. They're some of the biggest in the world. Oh, wow. So you will be going fast. Michael Phelps swims at like five knots, maybe six, you know, so you'll be going faster than Michael Phelps. What? Okay, I'm in. Yeah. Wait, let's let's actually do this. I, I thoroughly mean it. Like, let's let's plan it as soon as we get off the call. I can't, I can't go under too deep because my sinuses, but I'll That's swim. fine I'll at swim the surface. Yeah, swim, swim. And I'll do some, I'll do some biking with you too because I, I do, I rode bike, so I could do, I could do a hundred, a hundred miles with you. All just, I, mean, I would love that, you That's guys. Like, if we, even if we did like a weird like Mantapalon weekend, you know, and we just ended up like doing that adversity introduces you to you. You know, we'll go do weights down Gymshot Lifting Club, go and smash it in Penland. Hey, we should do this. And, we, and maybe invite KSI in the squad to do it with us. <laughs> that is it. So, you know, Ethan, he's a Gymshot. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yep. Honestly, but do a weekend where we're all just like, like weirdly, like a rite of passage. You know, like yeah. not to get too weird again, but that whole idea of the Okugaki, we make a version of that, but it's almost like, this is weird, but like an, a, a gogi. So when Spartans were like seven years old, they'd check into an agogi. They were basically given a loincloth and barefoot and they'd have to just go like run miles on no food. Could you, you know, imagine the content? Turn them into dude, a warrior. The content if we, if us and the sidemen go to Scotland <laughs> to swim and to bike with Ross Edgley and they only give us a loincloth. <laughs> and they, I'll tell you. In Scotland, I mean, up there as well, you get the water coming down from like the highlands in the Hebrides. I mean, honestly, I have to send you guys pictures. It's stunning. It looks like something out of Avatar. Yeah. Yes. You start swimming around there and it is freezing. You get oh, and you get basking sharks, you know, but it's all, but it's fine. Like basking sharks are fine. Like they, they, we're not on their menu, but just to go up there, go and smash some hills on a bike and then go and swim across to the inner Hebrides. You honestly... There's no better way to spend the winter. You'd love it. All right, well, so we're in. We're, I think we're going to do a Euro trip uh, after the COVID thing is is figured out. Uh, and oh. yeah, we'll stop by and run up a mountain. <laughs> honestly, 100%. Like, honestly, I'll get that always. E equally, and this is almost like we talk about this in the book, but this whole idea of like getting wintered. 
So Epictetus, one of the Stoics, is something that we're not doing anymore, but they used to say that the armies, you know, they would fight in the summer, but it's what you did in the winter that would determine how you performed in the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, so everyone talks about getting their summer body, but I'm here like going, what about your winter body? Yes. Let's go Scotland. Let's go, you know, make friends with some jellyfish and just get wintered, you know? <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you had a moment where you've been too, too wintered? Like you said, uh, the Navy SEALs, when you, when you think you've hit your peak, you're at really only 40%. Have you hit a hundred percent? Have you had it like 99 even where you're, you're, you are on the cusp of quitting? So, so this gets weird. So like, you know, we do this, uh, down, uh, Gymshark, we've got sports scientists. We do, uh, basically, I'm going to keep this quite short, but we have, um, you have what's called a strength deficit. So a strength deficit is basically where, um, you measure your, your training strength, and your absolute strength. So imagine you've got a um, quad extension machine, you know, so you're measuring the, uh, the, the strength of your quads. Yeah. We'd say like in a laboratory, okay, boom, would hook like, let's use Mike. We hook Mike up and we oh, go like, like smelling salts, you know, I'm slapping you on the back. Yeah. And we go, right, Mike, fucking get angry, get angry. And you see how much force you can generate through your quads with you voluntarily contracting it. Got it. So you're just there like getting wired and you do bang, gone. And we measure how much force you generate, strength, your body's ability to generate force. Then what we can do is we can electrically stimulate and involuntary contract your quadriceps. So what that does, we electrocute you, and then your quadriceps basically will contract like to their full. I just kicked over a chair. <laughs> we'll, we can, Somebody just we contracted can, your quad quad for you, and you kicked a chair over. <laughs> but we would contract your quadriceps, so you don't have any control over it. You would basically just sit there, and we electrocute them. We involuntary contract. The difference between those two is what's known as your strength deficit. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, for some people, it will be a large strength deficit, which means that you've got muscle mass, but you're not using it uh... to the full potential. You're not recruiting all the muscle fibers you have. And then other people will have quite a small deficit. And if you have a small deficit, what you can do then is say, okay, you need to build muscle. You need bulk. Yep. You know, to use a UFC example, I think it's fascinating right now when you look at John Jones trying to go up to heavyweight, people are going, we'll just bulk up. No, you need to do that. But understanding your strength deficit, you can't just go up and build this, you know, unfunctional muscle yep. mass. Yep. So to, to answer your question, Logan, it gets real interesting that when you start looking, I had quite a small strength deficit. So yep. they said, yeah, you're recruiting quite a lot. Like I was on smelling salts, you know, getting wired. And, and, and they were like, oh, yeah, cool. You're recruiting your muscle fibers. Um, and then in terms of cardio, I mean, we, again, you guys will be more than welcome at Loughborough Uni. We do VO2 tests there where you're hooked up like a, into a horse harness and they just basically incrementally put it up, put it up. So in the end, we're trying to basically replicate Kipchoge's sub to hour marathon pace. Wow. And it will end when you're basically just like dribbling, being sick, being suspended like that from the harness. So to answer your question, yeah, yeah I've, I've put, pushed it to some like, like pretty dark places <laughs> yeah, where yeah. I'm dribbling, you know, probably lost control over my bowels. Yeah. <laughs> but but afterwards, in, in lab conditions, you go, cool. Now we know where you're at. And then that allows me when I'm swimming, they're looking at my heart rate and everything. And what Gymshark can turn around with all of this biofeedback, they can go, 
yeah, but you're not, you're not actually at your capacity. Your heart rate's only here. Your VO2, yeah. your lung capacity, we know is here. Ross, your strength do you, deficit. Do you have any stats that are anomalies? Like things that aren't normal of most people? I do, I do, do you know what? It's a good question. Not really. And that's why I do think that, you know, with a lot of the strategy, I'm not, I'm not Michael Phelps. I'm not, I'm 5'8". So it's not like you can say oh, I swim around Great Britain because he's got, you know, wingspan like this. I'm, I'm a small guy. I think one thing was probably um, the food that I just, I, I could eat 15,000 calories. People were going like, how do you put that away? I was like, how, how do you not? Like, yeah, that's, ins- love- that's insane. That's a, that's a yeah. lot of food. When I was in a training camp for boxing, I think, I think I'm, I maxed maybe 6,000, 6,000 calories a day, maybe. Clean or dirty or like uh, pretty, pretty clean, pretty, pretty clean pretty stuff. Clean. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, see, that, but, that's a lot clean. But also, I I I couldn't eat any more than that. I couldn't uh, if even if I tried. If someone handed yeah. me a, a McGriddle from McDonald's, I wouldn't be able to eat it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so so I guess what you're saying, like being able to even intake that much food, maybe that's an advantage of yours. <laughs> no, yeah. No, honestly, because like the swim, it was weird because it didn't become a swim anymore. It was just like you're trying to control the breakdown of the body. You know, everything like medically, yeah. you know, I was talking about as well, like wetsuit chafing was so bad. I remember waking up some days and like like my bed sheets had fused to the, the wounds on my neck. So I had to rip it off before I could even get in. Vitamin E on that shit. That's exactly it. And then, and then I think what thing that's so interesting is like training your stomach. Like people are like, what do you mean? And it's like before a fight, before a, a long bike ride, you need to know like in terms of nutrigenomics. So like we're only understanding this now, how your nutrition interacts with your individual yep. genetics, mm. your gut biome, all of that sort of stuff. That now it's crazy that there's so many people who will turn up for a marathon having not drilled nutritional strategies. I'm like, how do you not know what works for your stomach? For sure. Whereas, for me, like in training, I was doing 20K a day swimming with a picnic on the side of the pool. So I knew that when I got in and was doing the GB swim, I knew exactly what my stomach could and couldn't handle. Um, you know, e- even to the point of like seasickness as well. I mean, th- there was a story in the book that I talk about just quickly, but like I, I was basically going, you know, when I talked about the Appendant Firth and how fast the tides were mm-hmm. up there. Yeah. So basically I'm swimming, I'm swimming in a way and Oh, yeah, so bad. Like the swells are huge up there. So I got real bad seasick. And so with the breath, I turned to breathe. And then I was basically sick underwater. Oh. And then I turned to breathe at the same time. The problem was, is I was swimming with a tailwind. So these waves were coming behind me. So I quickly realized that the tides and currents were pushing my own sick as fast as I could swim. It was so just I'm sticking with you. Swim. Yeah, yeah, so I'm trying to out swim my own sick, and it's just I'm just bathing in it like like that, just like with it all washing over me. <laughs> so it's knowing. Was that, that before from, or after you swam in the poop? And again, that it's was just, before. It's, okay, that was before. Okay. So I mean, I was having a rough time yeah. all the like thoughts. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's knowing that like how your body's going to interact with that, and like I said, getting wintered. It's adversity training that you know you've done that. You've gone to those deep waters before you get there, you know. And I think too often people people won't do that. They won't do those VO two tests where you're left dribbling. You won't do strength deficit tests. But you need to know what material you're using and what you're working with. You know, if you've not got a big VO two, cool. At least you know it. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're gonna do any sort of uh, physical feat of that magnitude, you definitely got to be as prepared as possible. Because, because, oh, yeah. I mean, at what point are you quite literally just gambling with your life? Have you have you felt like a life or death scenario? Yeah. Do you know what? You're so right. There's been times where it's just like, and, and that's actually the the whole theme of the book, where it's 
I say that resilience is the strategic management of suffering. And what I mean by that is it's not just about kind of going way gung ho and going yep, for it. Yep. It's like limiting limitations, researching restrictions and thinking like, is this even safe? Because yeah, there was, there was probably like a few times, I mean, they lost me in the, um, in the Caribbean when I was um, towing the tree. <laughs> so they lost me at night and I could see them but I was like guys I'm over here and they had the big flashlight like that out and I was like if they don't see me I've got a long way to well I was in between two Caribbean islands so I was I you know I was like yeah. this, this, this doesn't end well for me fortunately they found me but yeah there's been a few times uh you know shouting out not knowing if it was a shark a dolphin um you know a whale you know that then you you've got to make peace with the fact that it's like this is it, within the hierarchy of the sea, if that was my time to go, there's probably not a lot I could do about it if a shark was like... Dude, you're oh, going to fight off a shark. If anyone's going to punch a shark in the face and <laughs> win, it's you. That's not even a question. Well, have you gone through um, a situation like that in your head? Are you fully prepared to duke it out with a shark if need be? Yeah, it gets, your mind goes to some weird places. For sure, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. so when I talked about like being left alone with my own thoughts for like 12 hours a day, yeah, all of a sudden you see something out the corner of your eye and you're just like... But if and what's crazy is if I kept on getting out and stopping, going, oh shit, get the light. Was that a shark? Was it not? I'm not making any progress. So it's weird that like, but in the British waters, you know, you know that like, there's not really anything that's going to do that much damage. Yeah, to you. yeah, that's what they say, man. But I, <laughs> if I can't see it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this, but yeah, that that you've got to just think stoically and remove because you think, okay, am I being overcautious? Am I talking myself out of this now? Or, or was that just kind of, you know, something out of the corner of my eye that I don't have to worry about? So you, you, it's, it's just your mind will play so many tricks on you. But, the, but being overcautious isn't necessarily a bad thing. I, I get not letting the torment of being too cautious ruin the endeavor. Yeah. But like for me, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to go in and start swimming and be like even semi-cautious, there would be a point like what you said, where it's like, okay, this is, this is now hindering my, um, my goal. So have yeah. you, have you accepted fully on accepted the idea that things could end horribly? Yeah. I, th- I, you know, I think I have like, not, this is going to sound weird and not to go too much like into it, but I love what you were talking about, like about, um, positive visualization. Yeah. You know, when you're running, you see your hand above your head, yep. and, you know, you, you've won. Um, one thing with the Royal Marines that they talked about with me when I was doing my swim, they said, have you done negative visualization? You know, a, a form of a stoic philosophy that they were using. I'd be like, why would I want to think about the bad things? <laughs> and, and they were like, because you need to know that if it goes completely tits up, that you're still going to be okay. You know, so the worst case scenario, think mm. about it, how bad it could get. Huh. And then when it happens, at least you've kind of gone, oh, okay, I thought this would happen. And I was like, I, I, I don't really want to think about it like that. And then this is where they said to me, they said, Ross, you need to think like a ninja. And I was like, right, I'm in. What do you mean? <laughs> like, like yeah, wait. Yeah, you got me. Yeah, and they said like a ninja was so feared and revered because they would made peace with the fact that an honorable death in battle was just like, okay, you got me, you killed me. So they weren't thinking about that. They were just thinking about swinging their sword more efficiently than the opponent. So if you've got an opponent who's kind of like nervous and yep. a bit rigid yep. and they're, they're like, you know, but no, a ninja's just like, no, I'm just thinking of the process. Mm. You know, the Process its own reward. I'm there and I'm swinging my sword better, but I've made peace with the fact that if I die, I die. You, yeah. And I think you, Ross, you talked, sorry, you talked a little bit earlier about, about this journey and about how you're, you're not different than other people. You just decided to go on the journey. And I think that was really, uh, kind of 
indicative of what you're talking about and you talk about this eudaimonia, do you feel to to a to an extent that the peace that you have with uh with potentially losing your life or having something drastically bad happen or as a result of one of these things is tied to the fact that you went on that journey that you've already completed so many things in this life and that you feel pretty damn good about the place that you're in right now yeah weirdly yeah weirdly not not like i I do not have a death wish at all but i also think it's just this idea of kind of you know get busy living or get busy dying you know so there is this idea that yeah you i could be this old uh you know 80 year old in my rocking chair you know sitting there going like oh i've I've led the best life i've wrapped myself in bubble wrap you know and i've got kind of got nothing you know, show for, I think it was Hunter S. Thompson who was like, you need to go into the grave, like skidding sideways yes, on sir. fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, I, you know, I'm the same people like, like, you know, I've got scars down my body from like pulling the, the car, like, you know, my neck, like tongues grown back, thankfully. Um, but there was loads <laughs> of these things that when people were like, well, was it worth it? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be like a crazy old man if I make it that far. <laughs> and just, just being like, you know what, he lived. And I can't remember who it was now. I think it might have been Socrates, that, that they were just like, life's long enough um, if it's lived fully. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, yeah. No, and again, not this is getting a bit too deep. <laughs> but with, with Einstein, like people don't know, with, with Einstein, when he had, um, and I can't remember, it might have been a heart condition. I'm butchering this story slightly, but he, they said, we can treat it. We can treat your heart condition. Um, you know, there is things that we can do. We can do surgery and everything. And he just said like, no, like what's the point in artificially trying to extend my life? Like I've done my bit. You know, it's cool. And I just think that's, it's it's no, it's noble. It's also kind of fucking scary. Like, like for for me, this is, this is fascinating. When I was early twenties, I'm mid twenties now, I'm an old man. When I was early twenties, uh, I, I really, I mean, when I say like, I made peace with the idea of dying, I was like, this is it. I'm going to go as hard as I, as I can. Um, death is death. I've lived a sick life, like 22, 23. I'd done everything I wanted to do. And 24, 25, it changed. I want to live forever. I want to live forever now. <laughs> like I started falling in love with this idea of life. So I don't know mm. how how apt I am to go swimming in, in deep, dark water where I can't see what's underneath me because although it's although it's in, insane and crazy and would do wonders for me as a human, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm willing to take a leap like that. And for that mm. reason, your balls are much bigger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, do you know what though? You're you're right. And this, I think, this is a whole other podcast though, because it does it does fascinate me. And again, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't thought about this in the 157 days where yeah, I was just left yeah. in my own thoughts. You know, you, your mind goes to some strange places. But one thing that I think is strange, like with my tongue and like losing parts of my body and everything <laughs> like that, it's weird that you uh, uh, for those who don't, like ran out fines greatest living explorer there is amazing and he um there's a story about when he he might have come back from everest i can't remember what it was now but he basically uh had frostbite in his fingers and um, they were like you're probably going to lose your fingers and he was like no 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 like i think they'll be okay and they were like no nah, we might have to amputate and he was like no 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 like let me keep them and i'll see if they basically the blood comes <laughs> back and they come back to life long story short he got back home uh got in the bath a nice warm bath and they basically thawed um, and then fell off. No! Uh, oh, he, no. He, left, he left them. This gets worse. He left them on the side of the bath, carried on washing himself, finished his bath and everything like that, 
uh, went downstairs. His wife then went upstairs and was just like, for God's sake, I've told you to stop leaving fingers in the bath. <laughs> just like, they just left them. So there was, there was an element of that going through my head. Just that I was like, you know, hey, look, if, if, if my tongue is the penance that I have to pay, to swim around Great Britain, you know, it would be trickier now to speak to you guys, but it was, it was, it was a price that I was willing to pay. You know, that I, I was, for me, for me anyway, and some people are like, that's not, look, I like my tongue. But I was like, you know what? I, I don't need all of it. So, <laughs> yeah, so, fucking me. badass, dude. That's 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 what it is. You're just that's the easiest way to explain it. I think a lot. I think people like us will always sit in awe of people like you and just yeah. wonder what it is that makes it makes you so different. You're a fucking badass, bro. That's it. Oh, my. <laughs> I, I think what gets I get, what gets weird as well. Like even now, looking at like um, you know the wanderlust gene. So they've actually identified a gene that like twenty percent, I believe, of the population have, where they have a lower sensitivity to dopamine. So they need to. To do basically yeah. need a, a bolder lifestyle to satisfy, you know, those needs. If you look at the anthropology of us humans, dating back to when we were believed to be in Africa, you know, it was probably that 20% who went, hang on, like, what's over the horizon? Mm. You know, like, you go take a peek, you know. But there was equally those people who didn't. And that's, that's fine. But I, I think it manifests itself in, in different ways. You know, speaking to you guys with what you've done, you all must have an element of that. We, Maybe we, not no, for Baskin we, shots. We make jokes. We make jokes about this, and I've noticed. Uh, I've I've gotten numb to like a lot of things. Uh, I feel like I've lived a lot of lives. I've had a lot of wins, a lot of failures, and so I've, I'm 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 numb to a lot of things. And I've noticed that I'll, I'll do things literally just so I can have that spike of adrenaline, that dopamine hit, wake me up <laughs> right. in the morning. Like I love doing stunts in the morning. This isn't a joke. It, it'll it'll be the first thing I do in the morning. I'm fucking jump off a balcony or, or, or anything to wake me up and get me going. Like it, it, it excites me. It brings me back to life or vitalizes me. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And I, I, do you know what? I think I'm guilty of that as well. So now when people, cause like swimming around Great Britain was never on anyone's radar. Cause it was mm. just like, it's just like, who would do that? Would so, do but that? now we've done that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it sounds weird, but even like, I remember the first week I was back on land and I'm sat there on like, you know, with a, with a globe and my girlfriend just came in and she was like, what are you doing? And I was just like, eh, you know, just looking at other countries. <laughs> she's just like, no, no. <laughs> so she's, I promised I wouldn't do anything stupid. But for, I think I, I said two years, but that's running out now. So I'm almost at the point What's where. What's next? You know, what, what is next? Do you know? <laughs> there's been a few, I mean, I, I, you know, there's been a few ideas thrown around. So I'll tell you guys, uh, you know, off, off sort of air. But you'll, be, you'll be the first to, yeah, you'll be the first to know publicly, but there's been some that have, been thrown around that i'm just a bit like yeah like that that excites me for a higher purpose like i spoke about before yeah and 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 that's what's you know so cool that when you can sit around like you guys are as a team you sit around and you're just like okay what can we do how can we use this platform mm. i think it's the same that when you know i i'm at gym hq i'm there chatting to the guys like drawing a parallel to like jack cousteau who pioneered scuba diving and created <laughs> like you know aqualung and just made like, you know, documentaries, wrote books and, and improved ocean literacy, you know, improved our understanding of the oceans. And I'm just like, yes, like that. If I could dedicate my life to that and just like swim around countries and float and just like smash like 15,000 <laughs> calories, I'm like, that, that is a life of eudaimonia. So yeah. it's, it's nice people have found that because yeah. I think a lot of people don't. And I, and I hope people listening, they start asking their question, like, what, what is it? What's their pilgrimage? What's their upugaki? Yeah. Or, or, or just quickly to come back to what you said as well, 
Logan, have you heard of the term uh, ikigai, a Japanese term? Uh, yeah, well, uh, where have I heard that? Why have I heard that ikigai? What is it? It's basically, they believe, so it's, it's, it was created on an island where they had more people. Say it. That was where, that's where, okay, I was really? like, I literally just heard this word. <laughs> Our, our, really? uh, our videographer, he, ju- he just made a video about this or with this concept. Oh, amazing. It, yeah. Amazing. So yeah, basically just this idea that they have more uh, people living over a hundred where this term was originated on an island than anywhere else in the world. And they kind of came over and there was like fresh food and, and vegetables and everything like that. But this one thing that they had in this, this culture was this ikigai. And they said, what is it? And it's looking back through history, Maslow's hierarchy, you know, self-actualization, you start looking at like Aristotle talked about, you know, intellectual eudaimonia, you know, but the, the, the Japanese, and I love this, they just said, it's your sense of purpose. It's your reason for being, it's mm-hmm. why you get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it's made up of four things. It's what you're good at, what the world needs, what you can be paid for and what you enjoy doing. Uh. And if you hit those four things, that's your ikigai. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. That's, that's why you get up every morning. Yeah. But loads of people, I think, miss out on certain parts. So for me, you know, it, it was kind of looking at the swim and it was like what I can be paid for. It was like, you know, not many people thought it was possible. So I had like nobody wanted to give me any money. Yeah. So I was just like, fine, I'll do it on my own. So that was missing. You know, it was, I loved it. It was what I was good at. And, and, and it inspired a lot of people to go on to do their things. So it was nice in terms of that, but I was kind of missing uh. to, to talk honestly, you know, the, the commercial aspect because you can't then be a martyr doing it with with no money so you need to monetize it because otherwise it's not a lifestyle you can't live it yeah and i think that's what's so good with what you just described that really and truly with your projects as a team you guys are collectively going is this an ikigai is it what the world needs it's, can we be paid for it yeah, yeah probably is yeah. it what the one is and i think that's where you're you're moving to see your evolution from you know the boxing and everything like that now it feels like that's where you guys are heading it's, it's amazing to see yeah. i think if most people followed that not to sound too cheesy, the world would be a better place. I yeah. totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, if you can get a series of uh, the Ikugai and 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 again, that's just the sweet spot. It, it can it leads to only only good things. Yeah, hundred percent. But I just think people miss out on that. What the world needs as well, you know. And yeah. that's that's certainly with with future sort of swims. I'm just kind of like, yeah, if it's what if it's what the world needs, yep. Then sign me up. If it's an Ikugai, sign me up. Yep. Done. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, yo, listening to you speak now and. Ryan Garcia on our podcast. I, I think I might become a gym shark athlete. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know I'm all in one. I'm, I'm, I'm You're all one in one. Relax, dude. You got, that one. One. you got the tie. The tie, the tie speed. Um, but you are sponsored by Gym Shark. If you guys want to check out Gym Shark's products, click the link in the description. Uh, their stuff's awesome. And obviously, they have awesome peop- people on their uh, lexicon and yeah. Rolodex. So, Ross, appreciate you, bro. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Ross. Wow. Uh, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Of right. Course, and like I said, I'll send you an invite, Scotland, permanent invite, spare goggles, and I'll get the battered uh, deep fried chocolate as well. Let's you guys go. Do. Yeah. Please do. Uh, where can they follow you on Instagram? Uh, and what, where can they buy your book? Uh, yeah. So Instagram. And then, uh, oh, tomorrow, uh, actually, it comes out on audio. Um, and then it's uh, available on Amazon in America uh, in a few weeks. And uh, in, I think, uh, UK and Australia is out now. Very so with everything cool. that's kind of happening with COVID, it's kind of been a little bit delayed, but it's basically coming out, you know, right now. So yeah, guys, thank you so much for letting me chat about yeah. that and all of my weird stories. Of course, brother. Of course, you made me a better person. <laughs> Hope y'all downloaded something from this podcast. Uh, shit, that's impulsive. Ross Edgley, ladies and gentlemen, we love you and we will see you next week. Take it easy. Peace. Peace.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.